You're listening to the NABS Now podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Blind Students, a proud division of the National Federation of the Blind. Welcome to the NABS Now podcast. I'm your host, Mina, and I'm so excited to give you a little background on our topic for this month's episode. So I know we all know that our finals are coming up, and I'm inserting a cringe here. I can feel it, even though you guys are all listening from all over the country. And it's very important during times like these, and not just now, but always, to engage in some self-care and even some mindfulness Our brains, believe it or not, and I'm sorry to go psych major on you all for a minute, actually physically change their structures based on the stress we put ourselves through and our environments, and we call that neuroplasticity. So I won't go too much into neuroscience stuff because it's not what we're here for, but just keep in mind as you listen to this episode that what you do today, tomorrow, and the next day really does have an effect on the longevity of your brain, and depending on what you want to do with your life, that can be a big deal. So in order to stay healthy, happy and mindful of everything going on. We're going to have an episode today dedicated to self-care, how to do it, when to do it, some ideas for doing it, and stick around to the end because one of our social guests is actually going to lead us in a mindfulness exercise to give you a little taste of what you could be doing at home. It takes maybe two minutes at most and you'll definitely feel a difference. So let's jump right in. I'm Candace Chapman. I'm currently a third year doctoral student at Mississippi State University. I'm studying counselor education and supervision. In a nutshell, that just means that I'm studying to become um, a teacher of counselors. So my focus area is in school counseling. I was a school counselor for about two and a half years before I started my doctoral program. I worked with middle schoolers and high schoolers. High schoolers are my fave. Adolescents are my kind of population of interest that I kind of center my studying around and some of my research interests revolve around adolescents, specifically in the LGBTQ community. In As far as the Federation goes, I'm the president of the Human Services Division on our national level. I am the first vice president of our state affiliate in Mississippi. I work with our, I'm on our national scholarship committee membership and you know, you could list off your titles. Sometimes you're like, I really need to learn to say no. <laughs> but, I was just about to say, first you know, question, when do you sleep? But you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, that's the, you know, I was like, that's like, you know, thinking about, thinking about my titles and like all the stuff that I do. Self-care gets kind of dicey sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think that in order to be able to to do to do all the things we need to do on a regular basis on a daily basis um self-care is essential self-care has to be involved otherwise we we risk um taking hits to our mental health and that makes us just less functional so so yeah absolutely i think it's super interesting um obviously you're going to bring up the mental health portion with your background but in the intro of this episode, I had actually mentioned um, neuroplasticity and kind of how we don't realize, especially if you don't have that background, that 
the stress that we put on our body and not letting ourselves like complete the stress cycle and becoming burnt out has an actual effect on our brain that like research has seen. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's really interesting that you kind of tied it back to that. But um, beyond (laughs) your obvious psych background, when did your self-care journey kind of begin? Like how did you evolve into realizing, okay, yeah, I do all this stuff, but this is important and I need to make it important um man um so that's like the question of the hour right like um (laughs) I try (laughs) yeah for sure um so I think my self-care journey and and just just being cognizant that self-care was like um an active necessary thing that you had to think about and and try to accomplish I think probably when I was in my master's program when I was doing my master's work for school counseling, I think, you know, um, and probably, probably more specifically in the second kind of phase, the second year of my master's program where I was doing my practicum and internship. So I was working at a school all day and then I was going to class at night. So that was like Monday through Thursday and sometimes going to practicum and internship on Friday morning. So kind of like five days a week doing that, like having a full-time job as a school counselor, basically, and then having classes as a graduate student at night. And so it's like, then on the weekends, it's like, you've got all this homework and stuff you've got to do for class and you still are kind of doing planning. Yeah. And so, and so you have all of your time during the week is basically allotted. Um, you're you're and then on the week in weekend you're trying to get things done for your classes because because you're going to work every day then you don't have time to do homework at night because then you're going to class you know so I think my my awareness of self-care began began in that point because you know when the weekends would come I would just crash and then you know I didn't feel like super interested in hanging out with friends. Um, Being involved in my chapter was sometimes a struggle. And so um, it was like, you know, something's got to give here. Like there's got to be a better way. And so, you know, being in in my master's program, I was in a a program for school counseling. And so obviously we look at different... um, in your training, you're looking at different aspects of working with your client. And so self-care was something that obviously I was like, this is a thing for sure. But, you know, it was like, I hadn't really gotten to the point where I understood that it was something that I also needed to be doing for myself. So I really just kind of like dove into some of the literature that I had been kind of like studying for purposes of how to work with my clients. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm a person too. So, I mean, this is applicable to me. Um, and so I think that's when my self-care journey really began because it was like, it was like an overload and you talk about burnout and it's really easy to understand when you're, when you have a lot on your plate, how burnout is totally a thing and can easily be something that we get to. So I think that's when I, when I really tapped into self-care and started, um, making it an active part of, part of my routine and part of my life it's funny how we can study things and be testing on things and like I'm like super good at giving self-care advice to other people and like sh- mm-hmm. show them where they can fit it in and then like if I follow my own advice I feel like <laughs> yeah it's funny um so 
I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do for self-care for yourself that you enjoy a lot and you make time for? Okay, so this is my favorite. Um, I love my self-care practices. They're tons of fun. Um, but, you know, with a busy schedule, sometimes I have to tap into some some more kind of like essential ones. So my favorite ones are probably uh, baking. I love to bake. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things about self-care is, is you think about them and you want these things to be something that don't drain, don't drain you. You're looking for a complete recharge when you're thinking about self-care practices. So baking is one of those for me. I can totally just switch my brain off. Like I can do this and it's completely, completely stress relieving for me. Um, I love to color. Um, I know people are like, 31-year-old woman, you're coloring. Yeah. <laughs> no shame. I love I like color. color. Um, and coloring is something I can usually use in combination with music. I love music. Um, so I can just put on a playlist and I can just color and I can I can lose hours at a time to coloring. Um, and I think one last one that is um, probably pretty common for some people Um I I have gotten more into television and watching TV shows. Um, by nature, I'm a bibliophile. Like, I'm totally a book reader. Um, and yes, the book was better than the movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as, as I am finding, like, things to kind of put on while I'm doing research and, and that, those sorts of things, I'm getting more into TV. So, um so lately tv shows are a good self-care routine for me because they allow me to kind of just switch off take like an hour or half an hour break and um and kind of then get back to what else i need to be doing um and then some of like the essential things i think just sticking to a routine for me is a good self-care practice because um when i get off my routine then everything tends to be a little more hectic um, and I, and I crave the structure of, of sticking to my, my regular routine. And I think sometimes we don't think about our routine, like getting up, brushing our teeth, showering, um, having breakfast, you know, doing the regular things that are part of our day as self-care, but humans crave structure and routine, even if you don't realize it, because sometimes routine looks different for people, right? Like based off of your, your your schedule and your preferences, but routine is is so necessary and and definitely is is probably one of the self care practices that I try to stick to because it helps without even without even thinking about it. Do you have any tips? And if not, that's okay because it's a little differing um, from the main topic. But for someone to establish a routine, I know a lot of students right now are still doing like hybrid or virtual classes, mm-hmm. and I know someone like me, mm-hmm. my routine because of my schedule switches like every single day and so I'm sure curious if you, like you have established especially through COVID your routine kind of because I don't think yes. it has to be a fully complete routine like it, I don't think it has to be the same thing every single day yeah. how you go about that yeah so actually when COVID hit getting a routine established was really difficult for me because I had been used to going to campus I have an office on campus I get up I go to campus and I spend X amount of hours at my office. I take a break for for a meal, and then I have class, and then 
you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you have a lot of structure when you have places to go. And so with being stuck at home, it was like, okay, so I'm at home. And at first that was fine. And then it was like, I'm not getting anything accomplished. Like this is, this is bonkers, but there was no alternative. Campus is closed public places are closed. And so it's like, this is what I got to work with. And so what I did was I established places in my house that were locations. You know, when I sat up at my kitchen table and I, and I got all my work things together, that was work. And I would get up every morning and I would get dressed as if I was going to work. And while I was at work, quote unquote, (laughs) at my kitchen table, I I didn't leave unless I went and took a bathroom break or whatever like that. Obviously, when it was time to do different things, like I had to set up different places in my house for that, for it to, to even like establish that routine to like make spaces because I, it, it was, it was really difficult. So that's one thing I did. And I think the thing about routine is you're right. Like some days we're doing X, Y, and Z and that's different. Our Mondays look different from our Tuesdays and Fridays or what have you. And so I think the thing about routine is that you're wanting to institute consistency. Maybe your days are different, but there are some things that are going to be included that are similar. Mm-hmm. You're going to you're going to do your your morning routine or what have you. And I think I think it's nice that we have the option to be in our pajamas all day if we like, but I think sometimes like getting up and just getting dressed even if it's in like casual. I think that you know that the going going and just following similar practices and setting goals for your day I think can help you figure out your routine for whatever day you have some days maybe it's like I've got a meeting at 10 and then I've got class and then I've got to go and do this and I've got a group meeting so maybe some days you have more things on your calendar and there's more structure that way and then maybe other days it's like okay I don't really have any meetings today I don't really have any place to be um on Zoom or what have you, but it's like, I need to get X, Y, and Z accomplished. So you can set like looser goals for your day, but like by lunchtime, I want to have this this task outlined and I want to have accomplished this paper or this assignment. And then, you, does that make sense? Yeah, so it you does. can kind of like, oh, actually, <laughs> yeah. So you can kind of use goal setting as when you have like a, a less structured day, you can kind of use just goal setting and, and tie that to whatever time makes sense for you. You know, if setting a block of time and saying, I want to get this accomplished in, but from 10 to 12 or 8 to 11 or, or even just broader things like this morning I want to accomplish. This evening I have these things I want to do. So then that way you still give yourself some structure, but you have some flexibility and, and you can kind of adjust as you need to. I'm curious, do you still put things like on your calendar that way or do you have like apps that you use? I'm just really curious how you, because I know for a lot of people it's easy to be like, oh, I'm going to do this from Mm -hmm. 9 to 11 or I'm going to do it this morning. And then, but when you have so much time, sometimes it gets harder Mm -hmm. to make yourself stick to it. So I'm curious if you have any like, if you apps or anything for that. I know I just use a calendar, but. So I think it, de- it depends on how much of a priority the things I want to accomplish in a day have to. If they're like deadline, if there's certain deadlines that I need to meet, then I use 
It's called Real something. Quick. I saw it the other day in the app store. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it says on, on my app, it just says to do. I think so it's Microsoft to do is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. And so I actually found it while I was looking for a Microsoft Forms app because I was like, there has got to be a Microsoft Forms app. There's all these other Microsoft apps. I'm like, I'm going to find this. And so I ended up just scrolling through the app store with um, all the different Microsoft options. And I found it and I really love it because it makes a little sound when you check off a thing. And that's Ooh. like a small thing, but it's like a motivator for me because I'm totally like a pen and paper lister type person too. So mm-hmm. I like the actual uh, effect of like crossing something out. And so for to use the app, like having that sound makes it feel similar to actually crossing something out. So I use that when I have like deadlines in there time sensitive things but otherwise i have a a big dry erase board on the wall that i use so if there are things i want to accomplish i'll just make a list or and i'll put it up there and as i accomplish things i'll just kind of cross through or erase them and so if i don't have any hard deadlines that's kind of like how i structure my day around that and i also take that time to kind of like give myself a break to kind of like ease up on myself some because i'm like okay these are kind of things that we wanted to accomplish today, but if we didn't get to them, like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, just prioritizing um, them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's interesting. I think you could probably... I actually just downloaded this app as we're talking because I'm super curious because I saw it, but I didn't know anyone who used it. I think we mm-hmm. could probably put some of your less priority things in here, too, if you couldn't use, like, a visual thing. I think it would just... Yeah! I think it would just come yeah. down to, like, okay, I'm going to prioritize. There's actually a ton of apps out there, too, so I was really curious which one you... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have I have used some other ones that I can't remember, but this is the I've stuck with this one for a lot longer than I've stuck with some of those other ones. I am kind of like fickle when it comes to like technology and apps. So if it doesn't seem like I go back to it pretty often within like a couple weeks, I delete it right away. I'm like, uh, it's just taking up space. I'm gonna just get rid of it. Yeah, I do that um, too. So yeah. So, and I wish that I did that as, as I do with virtual things. I wish that I did that in my physical space because I come from a family of hoarders. <laughs> so, so that's what I use. That's the app I use. I love that. I was looking at it and they have all, you definitely could use it as your dry erase board because they have like, mm-hmm. you can create your own list, but they have like my day, my tasks assigned to me yeah. and important. So like, that's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. With this and today. I, I really, when you think about doing like action items with different groups of people, I actually picked that up from, I serve on the Blind Incorporated Board of Directors and I picked that up from um, Jennifer Dunham. We always have action items when we have um, board meetings. And so I've started incorporating that into other groups that I meet with. I'm like, okay, so what are our action items? And, um, And so the things assigned to me, that's really nice when I'm thinking about different groups that I'm working with and it helps me plan and kind of keep on top of what I'm responsible for in the different in the different spaces that I occupy. I love this. I'm very excited. I'm very type A, so that's very good. I guess just one final question. <laughs> and if you don't have anything to add, that's cool. But do you have any advice for students or just people who are listening in general who like don't know where to start with self-care? I think sometimes we have deconditioned ourselves to it so much and like they feel mm-hmm. like we feel guilty and whatever sometimes we don't mm-hmm. even know what we like or like where to start mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely i think 
my advice to people with self-care is to always just don't overthink it right um so i think that i think that when we think about self-care it seems like this grand concept right like oh self-care is such like a hot button issue right now and and pay attention to self-care but i think that self-care is if you just break it down and just think about the basics of it it's just taking care of yourself so if you if you think about and you're trying to figure out self-care practices just think about the things when you feel your best that you do um you know and and just know that self-care is individualized what may be self-care for one person is stress overload for another person my mom loves gardening like she loves to be in the yard she plants things it's just she our yard looks fabulous like she could probably do it for a living if she wanted to do like landscaping or something but that kind of thing stresses me out i hate to be outside the bugs the <laughs> allergens it's just like what oh no i take it back i like to be outside but i don't like to be outside working i don't like to be dirty <laughs> i don't like it so unless i'm sitting on the porch in a rocking chair with a book or coloring or um a sudoku puzzle like i don't i'm not interested in being outside but that that's that's her total like zen place is to be outside doing something in the yard she hates to be in the house doing like housework and stuff you know sometimes cleaning is a good self-care practice for me because like it's one of those things that it has to be done obviously but it's really relaxing for me when i get into it so you know i think that's just a really good example like these are two things that that similar people could could both do but one is more effective for the other in, in relaxation space in a in a stress management stress management space so i think just remembering that self-care is individual and that self-care can be whatever makes you feel good that's not harmful to other people. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I love that little caveat. Like, yeah, as long as yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, include, like, you gotta hide any bodies, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to include that caveat because you know there are people who are like, well, can't this say it? And it's like, okay, within reason. <laughs> within, I love um, that. And so I think that's that's always my my advice to people who are looking to incorporate self-care routines who don't know a lot of, about self-care. Exercising is something that we're all encouraged to do, but for some people it, it's you know, it's like yeah. okay, this is a task. I have to do these things. But for other people like that's the recharge. They're like, yeah, I feel I feel wonderful when I exercise, when I when I run or walk or whatever animals are really good self-care for some people for others animals are like get that thing away from me like i cannot <laughs> believe you brought that thing into my house so you know i think that's that's one of the the major things that i try to tell people about self-care it's, it's the stuff that it's the stuff that works for you it's the stuff that you think of when you're feeling relaxed and and you and you're winding down and just at peace I think those are the kind of self-care things that you can think about and, and kind of like draw upon. Um, the other thing I would say about like finding self-care activities, um, just, you know, just, and I think the great thing about COVID, pe people are like, there's a great thing about COVID. <laughs> there are so many online experiences right now. I was looking the other day 
and there's like a whole like meditation retreat that I had that I had observed in the past and I was like man it would be great to go to that and it's like expensive and you got to take the time off work and school and all that (laughs) stuff but now it's online and so no is it 100% the same no but getting those experiences you know I think that's been one of the silver linings for me with COVID but so like just googling different things that you think you might be interested in hobbies that people have and just just Googling like self-care activities it just can help generate some ideas. And the other thing to remember is if you try something and you don't like it, you don't have to keep doing it. You can have different self-care hobbies um, and practices. Um, and if you try something that someone recommends and it doesn't work for you, move on, move on to something else. And I just wanted to say, and I know like time. No, you're fine. Uh, Okay, cool. So the one other thing I wanted to say about the guilt piece is that that's, that's normal. That's normal to feel like, okay, I have all these other things to do. And taking a break to watch a TV show feels like I'm wasting my time. But like we, when we said, yeah, me too, for sure. Like I had one of my best friends, he was like, he was like, but Candace, if you don't ever rest, like how, how are you going to be effective? And, and that's just, you know, having, having those reminders is helpful. But I think when we're thinking about the guilt, self-care, like we talked at the top of the interview, you know, we said self-care, this is a brain thing. Like our body needs the rest. It needs the de-stress because what I think, like we, like we're talking about, a lot of people don't realize the effect that stress has on your body like physical side effects that over a period of time can cause health concerns, mental health concerns. So, cause when, when you're, when you're stressed, your body's like keyed up, like all the, during that whole period of time. And so practicing self-care allows your body to take a break. Just like you're like, okay, I'm really tired. I need to take a break. Your body's like, Hey, let me off the hook from this stress for a minute or two. So that's, 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 um, that's one thought that I wanted to make sure that I addressed. Well, I want to thank you for being here with us today. You have given so many um, amazing tips and I'm going to be very excited to start using my to-do list app now. Cause I'm also a very list oriented <laughs> person. And obviously sometimes like when you're blind or, um, even if you do have some residual vision, like it's not as easy to, you know, use a pen and paper list. So now I'm like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm excited to hear this complete task sound. Um. <laughs> well, and, and to, that, to that effect, like I ran into um, a friend of mine who, who lost some vision later in life um, and still, you know, she had, she had utilized a lot of like dry erase boards and, and um, cork board pinups and different things like that. And so she, she did, and I mean, it's, it's all about what you're, what you're with the time and energy you're willing to put into it, but she had different braille labels and she had, um, a, a tactile Markoffs, um, so that she could put different, different I labels and different, um, note cards and different things in the spaces. So she still kind of got the same feel, but, um, but it was kind of like an alternative tactile tactile way to have like a dry erase board um something to kind of like just 
get up from your desk and go and like address and and you know put your hands on so that that's a thought but again it's kind of like what you're willing the effort you're willing to put into these things and i know that you know we're in a virtual space so sometimes the virtual option is is um preferable well i love that tip i might have to try that myself um Thank you so much for being here with us today. It was really awesome. <laughs> and we got some laughs in too, yeah, it's always for- good. That's self-care too. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I started out in NAB, so I'm always happy to give back here. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. My name is Anjo Steele-Lashar. I am currently a law student at the University of Oklahoma. I function as a paralegal at a nonprofit serving low-income individuals and the elderly here in Oklahoma. And before this, I was a travel trainer or orientation and mobility specialist. I have a bachelor's degree in anthropology, a master's degree in orientation and mobility, I am now, of course, working on my doctorate in law, and I also happen to be a lay-ordained Buddhist in the Soto Zen lineage of Mahayana Buddhism. I was ordained at Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, and I will be receiving monastic ordination after COVID sometime in 2022. Oh my gosh, you do a lot. We might have to have you back on a different episode for for something else. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep your contact close. That's that's amazing, <laughs> though. Congratulations on all your accomplishments. That's really cool. We're going to jump right in. I'm just curious, how or when did you first start to learn and use mindfulness? So I grew up sighted, and when I was sighted, the only disability that I had was this thing that they were calling sensory integration disorder. The way that it manifested for me was that when I was touched, there was this sense of extraordinary and indescribable pain. If I had to describe it, I might say it was something like pressure and fire. It was this awful sort of a thing that came up throughout my entire nervous system when I was touched. And the family understood. They simply didn't touch me, didn't hug me, whatever. They would have to tell babysitters, you cannot pick him up. You cannot touch him at all. And one babysitter, unfortunately, learned the hard way when I was too young to know any better. Uh, She apparently had picked me up and and was kind of holding me, doing the thing that people do. And uh, I guess maybe I ripped out a little bit of her hair. So uh, when I went blind, when I was 12 years old, what I learned is that all of a sudden, it was as though I had thrown the doors wide and given the world permission, they thought, to touch me, push me, pull me, grab me, steer me. Rather than using their words, people would panic. They would have this sense of not knowing what to do, and they would just touch me. Similarly, going through crowded hallways in a school with maybe 1,800 students at the time, constantly I was being bustled around, jostled from side to side, and uh, it resulted in these sort of micro-convulsions and that extraordinary neurological pain. Well, when I was 13, I was just so sick of it. I went um, to this local spiritualist woman, an older woman who just did a bunch of kind of Eastern medicine sorts of things. 
and she taught me about acupressure and she would she just said you know it's a, it's not we're not sure about the science of it but it seems to help people it seems to kind of coordinate the mind and the body and maybe it could begin to desensitize you a little bit when your when your nervous system is too cued and that took the edge off quite a bit and from there i learned about grounding techniques and i learned about keeping perspective in the present moment to a certain extent just through these sort of lay practices and eventually when i was 15 um, there was some depression some anxiety uh, still a little bit with the sensory integration disorder and i go to the psychiatrist and he says you know yeah i could throw a bunch of medicine at you but something you might consider is in tandem with the medicine also doing some some meditation work and i kind of felt like oh that's ridiculous well he just showed me a little bit about how to follow the breath and how to listen to people when they talk and how to have something stable nearby whether it be a wall or another physical object that you can touch to remind you you of where you are and that worked just as well as the medicine and sometimes faster and certainly with fewer side effects well the medicine ended up having side effects that didn't quite work for me and it just wasn't making sense to continue down that path at that moment in time so i ended the medicine on his recommendation and continued my very basic meditation practice uh, and then as i got into college all of these issues started getting worse and worse um, i ended up actually moving back to my uh, I had lived in Los Angeles for a time, so I moved back to Los Angeles and I am living at my boss's house while he is in Europe for six months doing a bunch of work. And I just had my eyes removed. So I'm like really trying to learn, you know, how to be a totally blind person and how to deal with my sensory issues and the anxiety and depression. And my boss says, you know, we pay for a two week spiritual retreat every year. Whatever you choose to do, just let us know that it's the spiritual retreat you want us to pay for and we'll pay you to go. So I went and I spent uh, a little over two weeks at a Theravadan Buddhist temple and retreat center in Southern California. And I, it was very strict. I sat in total silence for about 15 days. I didn't speak to anyone. I didn't touch anyone. I had no technology. Um, some of those things were easier than others. And I just sat and watched my mind and my body. And it was a transformative experience. Um, that did not end up being the right path for me, but I found an adjacent path which fit perfectly. And I think that from there, I was really able to find some, some sense of security and stability with a mindfulness practice that made sense to me in the Soto Zen lineage of Mahayana. I'm kind of curious. So I know that you have gone from studying anthropology to O&M and now to law. How has mindfulness stayed constant for you throughout all of that and kind of helped you? Because you definitely seem to have gone down a few different life paths and some of them are kind of drastically <laughs> different from each other. So I know like when I was um, doing blindness skills training and we talked actually, we worked on um, grounding techniques for travel and such. And so I'm very curious, like 
how you found that that has benefited you no matter which direction you decide to take. Exactly. You touched on a wonderful point. As you correctly point out, in O&M, in travel training, awareness is key. Regardless of your cognitive abilities, regardless of your disability set, mindfulness or awareness is so vital to your ability to take in information and then evaluate, what am I taking in? And what do I want to do with that? And I think so often in the modern world, first, we're not intentional about what we take in. And then we're not intentional about how we evaluate what it is and what we want to do with it. So in anthropology, a little bit lower key, my mindfulness work was really a deconstructionalist view of there are lots of right answers. Some people might say there are lots of paths to the top of the mountain. You know, but all these cultures have different ways of doing things, and most ways are not particularly right or particularly wrong, though there are, of course, like human rights abuses that are unacceptable regardless of culture. And then uh, in O&M, it was much more about sensory awareness, human perception work, um, evaluating you as an individual, what are your goals? Truthfully, what are your goals? What are your boundaries? What are you uh, okay with and not okay with? What do you consent to from the outside world in terms of how they help you travel? How do you want to, uh, how do you want to ask for help, receive help, or just do it on your own in a given situation? But I found that so often my blind clients had never had the opportunity to be asked about those kinds of mm-hmm aspects to mindfulness and then they they'd never been given space to just explore and evaluate what information they still had access to after no longer having as much sight i love that so i'm curious what are some of your favorite ways to partake in self self-care for you personally for me my very favorite go-to for self-care as silly as it might sound is just a nice light scented lotion something that can really pull me out of whatever I'm experiencing without totally distracting me to the point that it covers it up. Um, I really like to have maybe some light music in the background. Uh, In Buddhism, we might call it a nutriment or the sensory input that acts as sort of a, a nutrient for your brain. And Everyone is taking in nutriments all the time, whether they're listening to some chaotic radio program or or some action show on Netflix or whether it's the people who they talk to or what they choose to do with their time. All of those things are feeding you one way or the other. So I like to be very intentional about what I'm putting into myself. And then similarly, you know, I do try and watch my diet a little bit. So I have some fun foods, but I also have lots and lots of healthy things. Lots of, you know, meat, vegetables, uh, working with spices more than working with lots of carbs and things in my case, because I'm also diabetic. Then I do a bit of exercise. I do a great deal of sitting in silence. I do a great deal of reading. Um, I do a great deal of listening to other people talk and socialize. And then I have just a couple of social groups I pop into. And I like to keep things clean and tidy. But, you know, everyone is going to have a different set of things that really helps them 
be comfortable in the present moment, whatever that looks like for them. Some people are like hardcore extroverts and what they would really do for self-care is go be the life of the party. So good for them. <laughs> do you have any advice for students who sometimes struggle to prioritize self-care or I know for me personally, I'm always like, I should be doing X, Y, Z and I feel bad taking that time and kind of taking the time to figure out what I do need to, to be comfortable like you were just talking about. Sure. So I think that when you ask people about self-care, they talk around the issue. They might feel bad about it, or they might have excuses lined up. I don't have the time, or but I'm taking care of others, or this. And what I like to let people know is that, first of all, that's okay. That's a totally normal thing. The sitting down quietly and watching your mind and body, that is not for everyone. That is not for most people. What people could do, though, if they're mired in depression or anxiety or the general overwhelm of life, maybe there's not a name for it, they could just start so small, smaller than they think they should. If you're stuck in bed, maybe you move your foot and you just start to break up that space a little bit and you start to realize, okay, I can still move. Maybe I can sit up. Maybe after a while of sitting up, I can get up. Maybe after a while of getting up, I can go take a shower or walk around the block or just step outside onto my balcony and listen. There are so many ways that people can engage with this material that they're not aware of because they, they just jump to the biggest stuff. I need to sit down for an hour a day and face the wall and clear my mind. Go crazy. And, right, exactly. I always have to be doing something. I know for me, like working out and stuff is a big part of my self-care because I need a very dynamic and kind of active sort of self-care. I'm very easily bored. And I know a lot of students are like, I need to feel like I'm doing something with my time. <laughs> yeah, right. So we jump, we jump to the biggest thing. And I just like to remind people, it's never the biggest thing. You're not going to go to running a marathon today. But at the same time, like if you need to be up and doing something, great. Uh, what kind of student can you be if you're so stressed out that you're not functioning? What kind of family member or caretaker can you be if you're so stressed out that you're not functioning? So I think that if we just put these things on our calendars and make them a thing that we can commit to, all of a sudden we start to organize the world around our priorities rather than just so being true. ping pong from one stressful event to another. I think it's important to realize that it like doesn't look the same for everyone. So I know some people personally who have to split their self-care, right? And they don't have like an hour all the time to do what they're supposed to do. So they break it up into a few chunks during the day. And like, I think that's okay too. Um, kind of just understanding that it doesn't look the same for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree. And I, I tell people, if you can't do an hour, 10 minutes. If you can't do 10 minutes, 10 seconds, because I assure you, 10 seconds is an eternity if you use it the way that you need to. Yeah, that's true. So I know you and I talked a little bit before the episode, and you were so nice and gracious to agree to kind of lead us in a mindfulness exercise of your choosing. So I'm going to turn it over to you, take all the time you need, <laughs> and I'm really interested to see what you are going to show us. I will try and keep it brief. I know I did quite a bit of talking there, more than I am accustomed to. It's all good stuff, though. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad. And it's hard for me, you know, coming from a perspective where when I'm sitting down with a bunch of monks, we have the same foundation. And so we're coming really from a similar background. Then when I'm talking to someone who they might 
in their mind be asking me a question about, I don't know, taking time to exercise, for instance, or, or prioritizing exercise, even though you hate it. But in my mind, I'm coming at it from this perspective of like stillness and silence. So it's just a thing that happens when people talk. With the mindfulness exercise, what I would propose is that we do a little bit of a hybrid of a, there's something called chicken tazo, which is like a true mindfulness exercise where you do, you're just observing what's going on. And then also maybe there's a bit of verbal instruction. So there's some guidedness to it as well. So what I will do, and I'll just take us through it bit by bit, is I will strike a bell here. We listen to the sound peak. We listen to the sound fade. What I would invite you to do. What do you hear? Just think. Reach out with your hearing, whatever you hear. What do you smell? Maybe something, maybe nothing. Taste. touch. What do you feel? You can feel lots of things that you may not even know about. The way that you're sitting or standing or lying down. The way that your body is positioned. Stress on some joints, less stress on others. Places where maybe skin is exposed to air or covered up by different fabrics. The pressure of yourself on the ground or the surface beneath you, but also maybe the pressure of gravity and air. Can you feel how the underside of your body, the bottom plane, is sort of heavier? You are never without gravity. What can you see? Eyes open or closed. Some eyes are none. Is there color, light? Maybe there are objects in the room that you can see visually. And what are you thinking? Just watch those thoughts come up. Don't try and control them, no need. Just observe. Just observe.
Are you feeling impatient, annoyed, uncertain, ambivalent? Just observe. Just observe. Thank you so much for being willing to join me and experiment with that little bit of mindfulness. Thank you so much. That was really good. I'm so relaxed now because I was doing it along with you. I really <laughs> appreciate you being here um, and sharing kind of all your wisdom with that. And I know that our students will appreciate it too. I want to give a huge thank you to Candice and Sanho for your contributions to this episode. I'm honestly amazed that I learned a lot from both of you even though I'm a psychology major and we're kind of required to study this stuff all the time you guys definitely made me think about things I have never thought about before and I'm sure it's the same with the rest of our students I want to give you guys a huge help heartfelt thank you and as for all of our listeners I hope that you take this opportunity to engage in some self-care who knows maybe you could even go listen to the rest of our episodes I think that would count <laughs> and we'll talk to you guys next time